Good morning. Uh, This morning's reading is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Okay, good morning again, everybody. And one more congratulations to our our graduates today. Uh, I know it's a big deal when you finally uh, get to be free from school. I remember that feeling, you know, at least for a little while. Uh, I think learning is a good thing to do for your whole life. But, uh, you know, there are just some classes when you're going through them, you just cannot wait to be finished. Um, I was looking at some, um, some coffee mugs online this week. And I saw some, I think, that maybe the graduates would appreciate, if I can get my screen to go up here. Oh, there we go. I don't have it here for some reason. Uh, But I I saw some coffee mugs I think the grads would appreciate. See if you can resonate with any of these ones here. Uh, I'd I'd rather be hiking. Uh, or I'd rather be fishing, sorry. This is the one that really resonates with me. Uh, Or this one, as I mentioned, I'd rather be hiking. I like this one a lot, too. Uh, you'd rather be doing this than sitting through a boring class sometimes. Or how about I'd rather be painting, uh, I'd rather be gardening. And if none of these are really resonating with you, I think, I think this one might, you know, I'd rather be sleeping. <laughs> uh, I think everybody can kind of feel that one. You know? um, many of us sort of have this, you know, this sort of happy place in our, in our minds, this, this sought after place we'd rather be when we're going through something difficult, right? It's a place we highly value, and it's a place that we'd probably happy we'd be happy to be pretty much, you know, any time of the day. And so today, I thought I'd get on that track and talk about this sort of quote-unquote uh, happy place that, uh, or this this place, I guess, that Jesus refers to that the Bible talks about a lot. It's it's a place in in one sense. Uh, that the Bible puts an extremely high value on. So high, in fact, that Jesus says that it's a place that we should seek above everything else. Um, graduation, it's a pretty cool point in your life. It's, it's a time when you get to lift up your eyes from uh, your books or, or your textbook or your exam or your paper or whatever, and, and, you, and you get to look up and ask yourself, what's next? You know, where am I headed? What will I seek out? What am I going to aim for from this point forward? And, and really, I think this is a question that's not just for our grads, right? It's a question that all of us can really ask ourselves each day, in fact. You know, what am I pursuing? What am I seeking out? As we continue to explore what we believe about the Bible, or what we believe about the gospel, uh, we were looking into the Bible to see how Jesus described it. And I think it's really powerful that when Jesus first announced the good news, 
uh, he described the king, he described the good news as a kingdom. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but he describes the good news as a kingdom that is open for anyone to join by following him. Jesus presented this new kingdom as the ultimate pursuit of life. And to use the coffee mug analogy, it's the place where Jesus would rather have us be before anything else. And so I kind of borrowed Jesus' words from Mark 1 here for the title of the lesson because this really was his message. You know, good news, the kingdom is finally near. Maybe that doesn't resonate much with our ears today, but for, for a Jewish person, this kingdom that he was referring to, it represented literally centuries of waiting and anticipating. But what does that mean for us today? What does the kingdom have to do with our lives? You know, today I want to see what this kingdom is all about. That's, that's what I want to work through this morning. And, and I want us to really see why it's seriously good news for all of us that you and I can be citizens of this kingdom today. I'd like to break our lesson down into three parts. And first, we'll try to answer the question of, of why. You know, why is the kingdom such good news anyway? And second, we can talk about what is the kingdom like? What's it like? And, and then third, we'll see what Jesus has to say about how we can join his kingdom. So let's get started with, with the why question. You know, why is the kingdom such good news? In verse 15 of our text, uh, we see we see this. Jesus is announcing that the time has finally come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news, he says. And I don't know if you've ever thought about the good news in this way, but this is the way that Jesus first presented the gospel right at the beginning of his ministry. The good news is that there's a kingdom one that everyone has been waiting for, and it's finally available to join. Jesus calls it the kingdom of God. And maybe because we didn't grow up in a Jewish culture, we don't necessarily appreciate the significance of what he's saying here, but it is a big deal. The Jewish people had been looking forward to this coming king who was predicted to come through the prophets and bring a new kingdom where the damaging effects of sin and the enemies of God would finally be arrested and, and sin would ultimately be defeated. One of the many prophecies about this came through the prophet Daniel like, like 500 years or, or more before Jesus was even born. Here's what Daniel says in his prophecy from Daniel 7, starting in verse 13. He says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of, uh, Son of Man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancients of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting Dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That's a beautiful promise. A beautiful promise here about, about this coming king, right? Who would establish an everlasting kingdom, the Bible says, where God's people would, would finally flourish over their enemies, over sin. This kingdom was not just for the Jews, though, right? It says that here. It was for all nations, 
all peoples, and it would last forever. And this, this is the incredible promise we see here in Daniel, but it's not just in Daniel. This was repeated over and over all through the Old Testament. God's people had always been anticipating this coming king for, for like hundreds and hundreds of years. And it was always on their minds. You know, they talked about it uh, when they got together. They talked about it in their teaching, in their community, in their homes. It was right at the heart of what it meant to be a Jewish person. This anticipation of this king who would finally come and restore God's people. And so for Jesus, you know, to come along here and make this claim and that we're reading about in verse 15, it was a really big deal. He was saying that the kingdom that they'd been waiting for for like centuries, it was finally coming through him. And, and I want to suggest to you that, that that's the kingdom that is still available for us to join today. This is the good news. Jesus has set up this kingdom to take back what was lost to Satan during the fall, way back in Genesis. You see, there's another kingdom, right? There's a kingdom, another kingdom talked about in the Bible. It's called the kingdom of darkness or the dominion of darkness. It's the kingdom over which our enemy, Satan, uh, rules. Check out what it says here in Colossians about, about this. It says, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That's good news. And may, you know, maybe it doesn't feel like it all the time, but if we're living apart from God, if we're in a state right now where we're living our life apart from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we are trapped, actually. We're trapped in the dominion or, or the kingdom of darkness. But the good news is that Jesus came to rescue us from that. He, he says this about himself in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus came to restore what was lost because of sin. He came to set people free, people like you and I. Anyone being held in the uh, the captivity of the kingdom of darkness, he came to free. And he came to build a new kingdom by pillaging the kingdom of darkness, taking back one soul at a time. And trust me, you want to be a part of this kingdom. Because being in his kingdom comes with some really incredible benefits. When we become a a citizen of the kingdom of God, we're given freedom from the destructive power of sin over our lives. We are also promised a restored relationship with God, the God who made us. And we are given a new, a a new deeply meaningful life. There's a purpose now. There's a direction, an eternal one. And and we're also given, of course, the promise of eternal life with the King, which is incredible. Eternal life. This is a good kingdom to be in. Jesus' announcement of this kingdom was seriously good news uh, for all of us because it's open for all of us to join. And we have an incredible opportunity before us to join it. 
So the kingdom, it's in, in, it's a really good news, but, but where is it exactly? Like, you know, it's a kingdom, right? Where, where does it exist? Or what's it like, maybe, is a different way to ask the question. It, this is something that a lot of people had questions about when Jesus announced this kingdom. The Jews, as I sort of mentioned before, they were anticipating something else, you know. They thought maybe it was going to be a, a military revolution to overthrow their enemies in Rome so that the Jews could be set free. But, of course, that's not really what Jesus had in mind. In verse 15, he announces the kingdom, right? He, he says this, but, but it was just one man. One guy proclaiming it. There was no army. There was no throne. There's no plan to overthrow the government. Like, what was going on? What is this kingdom all about? And we might even wonder the same thing today. And I think we need to look at what the scriptures say because it really helps us a lot to see how Jesus presented this kingdom to his contemporaries. The the Pharisees, the religious teachers at the time asked him about it. And here's what it says in Luke 17. It says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. In your midst. I think it's very important for us to, to really take some time to appreciate this concept today. Because it's important. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It's not something you can point to on a map. Or it's not a place you can get in your car and go drive to. You know, the, the kingdom, the kingdom is a spiritual place in a sense. The kingdom itself begins with the king. King Jesus. The one who is standing in the midst of these Pharisees. That's where the kingdom begins. And the territory of that kingdom, it extends as far as there are hearts and minds of people who would choose to follow the king. Jesus describes his kingdom in a, in a couple of really incredible ways. The first one is in Matthew. Well, they're both in Matthew 13, but the first one starts in verse 31. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. What an image. You know, the kingdom starts small. I think this is what Jesus is saying. Almost like imperceptibly small. You can hardly see it like a, a tiny mustard seed. People may laugh at it, right? They may disregard it. What kind of a kingdom is that? They will think it's less important or, or, or less worthy of wor- worrying about than other pressing matters of life. But make no mistake, Jesus says. This kingdom will grow to become something most significant. And the end result will be impossible for anyone to ignore. Jesus says this too in the next verse in Matthew 13, starting in verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into six, uh, 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. I don't know if anyone's used to baking bread here, but you'll, you'll get it if you've, if you've done this. 
the yeast in the dough metaphor, it's amazing. You, you can't even really see the yeast when you put it in there. But it permeates, right? It permeates through the whole batch of dough. And even though you can't see it, the influence of the yeast changes the dough completely from the inside out. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. It spreads and it changes people. It, it changes you and me. And it doesn't care about borders or boundaries. You know, like, like the yeast, you know, the kingdom spreads everywhere. Through geographical borders, through political parties, through ethnic groups, through socioeconomic statuses. Any other realm, any other category you can think of. It spreads and it changes people one soul at a time. As people begin to follow King Jesus, their lives are transformed and it affects everything that they do. And we can see these effects anytime we witness it, right? We witness these things from time to time, maybe, maybe more often than we give it credit for. Every time you witness um, somebody giving of themselves, sacrificing themselves to show love in the name of Jesus, you're seeing a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Anytime someone is joyfully doing the work of God, especially when it's difficult, I think you're getting a witness or you're getting a glimpse into what it's like to live or see into the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom is present everywhere that there's a heart over which Jesus is reigning as king. And it begs the question, I think, for all of us to consider, are you living in this kingdom today? Are you witnessing it around you? Jesus' kingdom is here already. But also, it's also not yet here. And, and it sounds like a, a, a tongue twister or like something that doesn't make sense. And maybe you've heard that idea before, you know, already but not yet. I think it's a really good way to describe the kingdom of God. You know, the verses that we've been looking at today show us Jesus announcing this kingdom, announcing its arrival. So in some ways, the kingdom of God is already here. Because Jesus has already started building it. But in other ways, the kingdom of God is not fully here yet. Not in its fullest capacity, at least. You know, we can begin to enter this new kingdom now, but its full culmination is still coming. It's already here, but not yet. Jesus describes this full realization of the kingdom coming on, on many occasions. But one I wanted to highlight is what he says in Matthew 25, talking about the the day of judgment, the last day. He says this about himself being the king. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You know, this verse is a bit of a sobering verse for me. Because in some ways it points out that there is a time coming when the opportunity for joining his kingdom will be closed. It will be fulfilled and finished. We have a choice to make now in this moment, in this day, about which kingdom we're going to be a part of. We can choose to be a subject of the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness, that's under the control of our enemy, or we can pledge allegiance to the king of the universe. King Jesus, and we can give him our loyalty and our dedication. 
living as a subject of his kingdom allows us to look forward to hearing these words on the screen on the screen when the kingdom comes in its full glory one day very soon so the kingdom is already here but in some ways not quite yet and we have to choose today today where our loyalty is going to lie so if we need to make a choice then how do we actually choose to live in this kingdom, in the kingdom of God? How do we become a part of it? I want to suggest to you that living in the kingdom of God is not, it's not really that complicated to understand. And we see it in the text here, and I'll show you in a minute. You know, if you want to be a kingdom, if you want to be part of a kingdom, you know, any kingdom, really, you need to pledge allegiance to the king. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's very much the same, I think. You know, we, we take a pledge of allegiance to the king. And in, in our context today, according to the scripture, that looks like following Jesus. Following Jesus. Our scripture shows this in verse uh, 17. You know, Jesus says the kingdom is here. And then the very next thing that he does, you know, the, the first thing that he does after he announces this kingdom is he starts going around and inviting people to join. And, and maybe this is what you would expect. But look at how he does it. In verse 17, it, it says here that he goes up um, to people and invites them to join by saying, follow me. He goes up to Simon and Andrew and he says, follow me. And then he goes down the road a little more and he calls uh, these other two guys, James and John, and immediately they leave their nets and they follow him as well. And he says that when they follow him, Jesus is planning to transform their lives. They're going to live in a new kingdom now with, with a new purpose. He's going to transform them into something new. He wants to change their lives and make their lives about the mission of building his kingdom a kingdom that he's preparing for God. And this is, I, this is just so, so important for us to understand today. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, being a citizen of the kingdom of God is absolutely not equivalent to merely showing up at a certain building at a certain time during the week. It's, it's absolutely not the same as getting dunked in, in the water one day because your parents or your friends thought it might be a good idea. That's not at all what Jesus means when he says, follow me, right? When he was talking to these guys. You can see that right here. He's asking them to pledge allegiance to him. It's about giving your life to him. Following him every single day of your life. And when I say following him, I mean putting your life in his hands, making decisions based on what you know he wants for you, obeying his teachings to the best of your ability, imitating his way of life in the way that you live your own. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be loyal to the king. And, and this is what it means to live in the kingdom of God. It's about a new way of life. Like that tiny mustard seed planted in your heart that it's eventually going to grow and change everything about you. It's a faith in the king like that yeast in the dough that's going to spread and influence every part of your life. That's why Jesus announces the kingdom by saying 
that we need to repent in verse 15. We need to make a change in order for this to happen. He sets up a choice. A choice for all of us. A choice about where our loyalty is going to lie. He describes this choice in, in amazing detail, I think, in, in Mark chapter 8. Uh, starting in the second half of verse 34, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will find it or will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? You know, it's not that Jesus wants us to deny ourselves because he wants to make life difficult for us. We have to deny ourselves. We have to because it's the only way to really follow him. If we're on our own path, we're not on his because they're two different paths. We have to be willing to set aside our own will so that we can follow his instead. That's really what it means to repent, to turn away from a dead end way of life. Are you ready to do that? It's not about being perfect. right? Don't, I don't want you to hear me saying that. But it's, a, it's about being committed. Committed to the King. Loyal to the King. And trusting that He will help you and make up for where you're lacking. If you put His kingdom first. And I always want to point this out too. Because in Luke's Gospel, he adds this word that I think is very critical. He says, Daily. We need to take up our cross daily and follow him. And it's not a decision that we, you know, this points out that it's not a decision we just make one time, you know, sometime a long time ago. That's not it, right? It's a daily decision. It's a way of life. It's a way of life where we're loyal to our king. And I, I know in Canada, we we have this thing called dual citizenship. it's It's really a privilege. Um... But when it, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we really don't want that, honestly. Um, because the other kingdom is, is the kingdom of darkness, right? And, and light and darkness just don't have anything to do with each other. The kingdom of darkness is, is set up to destroy us. We do not want dual citizenship with this kingdom. It's his kingdom first. You know, we, we read this verse already, but this is what Jesus came to do is rescue us from that other kingdom. It says he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son, the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and we need to take uh, that seriously. We need to make a choice every day to remain loyal to the king who rescued us. In practical terms, I think this loyalty looks like doing His will to the best of our ability. We know we're not going to be perfect, but we do our best. We, we try to represent Him in the way that we talk, in the way that we act, in the way that we think, in the choices that we make. We strive for the things that we know that are important to Him. Love and justice and righteousness instead of the things that the world says are important. We do our best to promote the stability of His kingdom, helping and doing what we can to make it stronger in the ways that we can, in the ways that we've been gifted. 
We do our best to promote the growth of His kingdom by sharing it with other people around us and helping the people that are already in His kingdom to become more capable citizens, able to be stronger and and better for King Jesus. In short, I think we, we try to be an example of our King. That's what we're trying to do. Be an example of Him in our own life. We try to be like Him. We try to follow Him. And, and this doesn't require a master's degree. <laughs> it doesn't require a master's degree in theology. It doesn't require us to go on an overseas mission trip. I mean, you can do all that. But you don't have to. Every one of us can do this. Setting an example of what it means to live in, in the kingdom at your home or in your workplace does just as much and, and probably honestly more for God's kingdom than any sermon will ever do. The kingdom will spread through you like yeast through the dough when each of us does our best to represent our king right where we're at. We set an example of who he is and what he's like and what he stands for everywhere we go. That's, that's Jesus' plan for his kingdom. I want to end off with an illustration I saw from a preacher named uh, Jonathan Storman. Maybe you've seen this picture before. It, uh, it's a photograph that was taken in Hamburg, Germany in 1936. And if you know a bit about world history, you'll know uh, that this was the time that Hitler's Nazi regime was in full swing, right, in Germany. And you can see in this picture the classical Nazi salute from everyone in the crowd. Well, everyone except uh, this one guy here who's circled in the picture. (laughs) If we zoom in there, you can see this man called August. uh, Many people believe this is named August Landmesser. He refused to salute. He refused to hail. Now, there's a very interesting backstory on on why he didn't salute. But I want to focus uh, for this illustration on the fact that he that he did it. You know, he was willing to take a stand and be different than everyone else around him. And in many ways, I think that this loyalty, you know, this commitment, this bravery that he shows to to stand up for his beliefs illustrates exactly what we're talking about today. You know, nowadays, we, we look at the Nazi regime and all the horrible things with ha- that happened during that time with complete disgust, right? And, and rightfully so. But you have to realize that if you were living in Germany in this time that the picture was taken, it was popular to stand for what the Nazis believed in. A lot of people were on board with this idea. And so for August to take a stand and be the one person who wouldn't salute, who wouldn't go along with the crowd, that took some real loyalty on his behalf. It took a real commitment to what he believed to stand there and take this position because he knew it was going to come with a cost. And it makes me think about living in the kingdom of God today. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> living in the kingdom is going to cause us to stand out and be different than the people around us. And I know that's not easy all the time, but this is really what it means to follow Jesus, isn't it? 
And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about making a political statement. I'm talking about how you and I choose to live our lives every single day. I'm talking about being willing to stand out and be different. When everyone else is doing wrong, will you be the one who remains loyal to your king and does what is right? When everyone else is going along with the falsehood and the lies, will you follow Jesus in, in the way of truth? In a situation full of slander and gossip, will you stand out as a beacon of hope and joy and love? When your friends or your co-workers are hurting because of the pain in their lives, will you be that island of God's peace and joy that they can cling to? Will you stand out as different from the crowd? Will you live out the good news of the kingdom that you live in? I think that's a great question for us to consider as we close. Maybe, maybe especially for the grads, because many of you are embarking on a new path right now. You're going into new spheres of life, new spheres of influence. You're going to face new choices about what you're going to stand for, what you're going to aim at, which kingdom you're going to belong to. Everyone. Everyone around you at times, it will seem, are moving full speed towards the direction of the kingdom of the world. And it will seem so popular and so right and so normal just to follow the crowd and have the same priorities as everyone else. Sometimes it's going to seem so silly and so insignificant to chase after the kingdom of God when it seems like it's just a small, insignificant mustard seed. My hope and my prayer for all of us here this morning, not just the grads, but everyone here, is that we would choose to seek the kingdom first every single day. If we choose his kingdom, we can be confident in the promise that Jesus made to his followers. What he said in Matthew 6.33, he said, seek, uh, but Jesus said, seek his kingdom, talking about God's kingdom, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things, speaking of all the things that you need for your life, will be given to you as well. The opportunity that we have to live in God's kingdom is the best news ever. It's open and available to any one of us who would recognize Jesus as our king. And we all have something to do to respond to this message today. Jesus doesn't leave any ground, uh, any middle ground. We either choose to seek his kingdom or we choose to remain trapped in the kingdom of darkness. Maybe you're listening to this day uh, today and you realize that you haven't yet fully given your allegiance to King Jesus. Today is the day to change that. Will you make that pledge today? By being baptized, by committing your life and your loyalty to him. Or maybe you're listening to this as someone who's already committed yourself. I hope the message has really encouraged you to examine your life and reflect on whether or not you're living as Jesus is your king today. Are you living out your loyalty to him? Or have you given your allegiance to something else? If this is you, today is the day to recommit. And if you want to talk to somebody about this or pray with someone about it, I would be happy to do that. We're going to end off with a song here called Build Your Kingdom Here. 
And the title basically says it all, I think. The song, it's really a prayer. <laughs> it's a prayer where we invite God to work through us, to establish His kingdom in our midst today. We have an opportunity, all of us, to watch His kingdom come as we witness God working in our midst and, and as we lift our voices with His Son to spread the message, good news, the kingdom is near. Thank you for your time this morning.